All right. Ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, now nine months ago, can you believe it's been nine months? It has. Nine months ago this happened. Uh, ever since Russia invaded Ukraine back in February, the international community has been rallying to support Ukraine in this conflict. And uh, no country more so than the United States up until this point. More than $60 billion in military, economic, and humanitarian aid has been contributed so far. Now, there is some concern that that might be ending. This was uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is running for re-election in Georgia, I believe. And this is what she said during a campaign stop yesterday. Under Republicans, not another penny will go to Ukraine. Our country comes first. She's not alone. There's a number of Republican candidates who have expressed a similar sentiment. So it's become an election issue, at least in some parts of the U.S., some parts that have a lot of Ukrainian people living in them. Um, what does this mean going forward? Will people actually be swayed to vote other ways? How big of an issue is it? We're going to have a conversation now with Dr. Justin Buchler, who is a professor in the political science department at Cleveland's Case Western Reserve University. Professor, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Happy to join you. Now, this this story, um, you know, for those who are deciding who they're going to support based on Ukraine and the situation in Ukraine, the choices are pretty clear here, right? One party has come out, many of them, and said, that's it. Support ends. Uh, so it's not entirely partisan. There are differences uh, within both parties. It is relatively consistent within the Democratic Party that there would be support for Ukraine, uh, and there is more opposition for funding for Ukraine within the Republican Party, but it is not a pure partisan issue. Uh, if you look within the Republican Party, there are still a lot of people within the Republican Party who support military funding for Ukraine. It's just that a division has emerged that we have not seen for a relatively long time because because for uh, a, a period of really decades, the Republican Party was uh, pretty activist in its foreign policy, and we're sort of seeing a reemergence of a little bit more of an isolationist wing, but it, it hasn't really taken over the party. So it'll come down to voters in their own particular districts taking a look at which candidate is expressing the viewpoint that they want to hear, right? Like you say, it's not going to be right across the board. You're going to have to take a look at what the candidate in your particular district is saying about Ukraine. Yeah, if, if, if that is a voter's primary issue, that voter would have to take a look at the particular candidates at the House or Senate level. Yes. yes. And it's kind of interesting where you are. Uh, there, there, it's, it's a, because, I mean, it all depends on your, your ties to Ukraine in a lot of cases. And there's some districts that have very, very deep ties to that country, right? Uh, so there are a couple of geographic concentrations of Ukrainian-Americans, but there are really not a lot. Uh, we don't have a lot of data on uh, ethnicity down to that level of granularity, but uh, there are not uh, really large groups of Ukrainian-Americans all over the country who think of themselves as primarily Ukrainian-Americans. Uh, there are a couple of, of areas in Ohio where there are significant populations of Ukrainian-Americans, but for the most part, uh, uh, voters don't think of themselves based on European country of origin. 
Is there, I mean, could it be influential in the way some of these midterms go? We know some of them are very, very close, going to be very, very closely contested. Could this be an issue that tips it one way or the other anywhere that you think? Uh, it's unlikely to be a determining issue. This is an election uh, with a Democratic president with a relatively weak economy, and, and that means for a midterm election, it's going to swing Republican for the most part. Yeah. There are a couple of very close elections, and in a close election, anything can matter. But by the same token, if anything matters, then really nothing matters, because there are a couple of elections that could come down to a thousand votes or something like that, depending on uh, the the margins on election day, and really anything can swing a thousand votes in a Senate election. So maybe that's determined by people's positions on Ukraine and Russia, but uh, a thousand votes can be swung by nearly anything in a, a big Senate election. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how much emphasis are candidates putting on this? I mean, fairly vocal and outspoken in ending it, some of the candidates. Are you seeing it on the other side? I mean, if you're campaigning against um, J.D. Vance or you're campaigning against Marjorie Taylor Greene, is this something where you sort of stand up and say, I'm the opposite and we will continue to support Ukraine? Uh, there are candidates who are taking vocal positions in favor of Ukraine, but for the most part, uh, it's a relatively low-profile issue across the board. So if you're looking at the kinds of issues that most Republicans are trying to campaign on, they're trying to campaign on things like inflation, yes, uh, because that's the primary thing that is uh, uh, hurting Democrats right now. And if you're trying to think about this strategically, you campaign against your opponent's weak issue. And for Democrats right now, that's inflation not so much Ukraine. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and those issues always carry the day when it, when it comes to an election, no question about it. Um, doctor, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.